0: Today, on A Daily Walk, we study one of the best-known parables in the Bible, the story of the prodigal son.
1: There's so many applications that you can make from this particular story. Maybe you were like the prodigal son, prodigal daughter, wandered away. That is your testimony. For others of you, maybe you're the father, waiting for that prodigal son, prodigal daughter to return. Or perhaps you're like the elder brother. You see sinners getting saved, you say, God, I can't believe you'd save him. And you're critical because you've forgotten what you've been saved from. Well, there's many applications from this particular story.
0: If you're at all like me, you've lost or misplaced anything from your glasses to your car keys. And when we lose something of great value, it can really be disheartening. But think of the joy you experience when you finally find it after a relentless pursuit. Today on A Daily Walk, we'll notice how God is pursuing the lost and the joy heaven experiences when the lost is found. Luke chapter 15 reveals God's heart towards the sinner and that's where we'll camp out today. Pastor John Randall is moving right along in his verse by verse study of Luke. Won't you join us as we present a brilliant picture of the
1: lost and found. Some of you, have been running for a long time and the Lord's been pursuing you, sweeping things out of your life as you continue to seek to hide from him. But if you run from the Lord, you're running from grace. If you're running from the Lord, you are running from perfect love. You're running from mercy. Why would you ever want to run from that? God loves you perfectly, completely. Don't run from him, run to him. And so this woman searches and notice she finds it. And when she finds it, verse 10, she said, I say to you, or actually she told all of her friends they rejoice. And Jesus said, just the same way that she rejoiced, likewise, I say to you, here it is again. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Make a note of that. It says one. Twice. The Lord points that out. And I I think there is reason for that. And I want to make the emphasis here and a personal application over one sinner. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that our evangelistic efforts are not as productive or fruitful if only one person gets saved. We tend to think in terms of untold thousands being saved. And if, if it's just one person, well, you know, it was cool. Poor Pastor John. I mean, only one person came up. I feel bad for him, you know? He really needs the gift of evangelism. Perhaps that is true. But, 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 but the other part is true too. There's a, when one person... One soul gets saved. All of heaven rejoices. Let me tell you something. The Lord really liberated me on this point. And the first church that I pastored and planted when we weren't renting out stadiums to fill them up. I mean, we could barely rent the recreational facility that we were in. And there's 20 people in a room And you're thinking, I don't know if I should throw the net out today. You know, I see these people. I don't know if anybody's not a Christian. I don't know if I want to do this. And what's going to happen? All these things in my mind of, oh, no one's going to get saved. No one's going to come forward. No one's going to, you know, I'm thinking, why am I doing this? But you know what? By the grace of God, on Easter Sunday, that first recreational service we had, threw the net out. And the first two people to raise their hand were husband and wife, who are our next door neighbors, that we'd invited to church. They still walk with the Lord today. They still serve the Lord in the church where they got saved at. And you know what? I never again devalued one soul. So valuable that Jesus died for. And so much of a blessing that all of heaven rejoices. Don't think that your religious or your, I should say, your, your evangelistic efforts are meaningless. If one person is saved, it's valuable. And we need to remember that in whatever we do. Whether it's multitudes or whether it's handfuls or it's one person. It's all valuable to God and important. And when a sinner repents who's living in sin and turns to God, all of heaven rejoices. Well, having discussed the lost sheep, looking at the lost coin, now we talk about a lost son coming home. And of all of the 40 or so parables that Jesus told, the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, as many have referred to it, has been called the crown Of the parables. It's one thing to lose a sheep. It's another thing to lose a coin. But if you lose a child, that's frightening. You parents, I don't know if you've ever misplaced your child. (laughs) Lost them in Walmart, only to find them hiding under the clothes, or in Disneyland, or at the beach, or anywhere. There's nothing more frightening if you misplace your child or they wander off and they're lost. I remember one time receiving a phone call from my wife when our eldest son was missing. I was working at a church right down the street from where we lived. And she called me frantic, crying. I can't find Jacob. What do you mean you can't find him? Come home. So I got in my car. I drove home. And I was just praying, crying out to God the whole way. Oh, Jesus, please, please. I mean, because the worst thing comes into your mind. And, and we didn't live in the best neighborhood. So you just think of, you know, I've seen that one shady neighbor. I wonder if, and you just start, you just, it just rolls. And I got up to, to the house, ran in the door, and there was my wife with my son. And I grabbed hold of him. I just started bawling. And the first thing is, where were you, you know? but you're just so happy that you found them. Turns out the boy was in the backyard hiding behind a tree while his mother was running up and down the street screaming his name. We found him. I was so thankful. You know, the next child came along and it was like, you know, you have one child, you got one child that's attached to your hip and then you got the other one that just takes off. I don't care where we are, just run. Like where did, oh my goodness, he's falling down the escalator, grab the boy. And so you know what? I would always, I would always make fun of those parents that had those leashes on their kids. Seriously, is your child a dog? Why do you put that on him? But you know what? I must confess, I got a happy harness. We put it on the boy. You know, going to the airport to be like, get you, you know back here, sit. You know, it'd be so horrible. But but I love my child. I did not want to lose them. And they make them all cute, you know, with animals. So it makes it look less like a leash and more like a part of the outfit. Anyhow, we don't have to use those anymore. But, you know, back in the day. But the story of this lost son. (laughs) i got a picture of my son with a happy harness. It's kind of funny right now. I don't even think it's called that. I just made that up. But anyhow, not about him wearing it, but about the the name of the happy harness. Anyhow, moving on. This story is about a lost son who made some poor decisions in his life that led him away from those that loved him. And it's a story of someone taking what's been given to them and wasting it. But it's also a story of forgiveness, of redemption, and of a second chance, the grace of God. It says in verse 11, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. This son who worked for his father, eventually when his father would die, when he would pass on, what belonged to the father would then be given as an inheritance to his offspring. But this child, this young man, said, I want what I want and I want it now. Give me what belongs to me. And the father, in his permissive will, Gave to his son what he asked for. There are some people today that are demanding from God. I want what I want and I want it now. I don't want to wait till I get married. I don't want to wait till I, and you could fill in the blank. I want what I want now. And so in his permissive will, people can end up taking something that could be the worst thing for them. God's not going to force his way into your life. So this son gets all of his possessions and there is an ulterior motive here. There is something that he does not many days after he takes everything that he has. And it seems to imply that he'd been planning this. All I need is a little bit of cash and I'm out of here. And he takes all that he has and he goes away to a far away country. Why? So his father can't see him. And he, he begins to take all the blessings that he'd received and he wastes every part of it. He blows it all. With prodigal living, wasteful living. We'll come to find out later on in the chapter that his brother will know about what he was doing. He wasted his, all of his father's livelihood with harlots. I mean, just miserable wreck of a life. Thinking that he's going to be satisfied. But then we find, notice what it says next. It says that in verse 14, but when he had spent awe, oh, there arose a severe famine in the land, And he began to be in want. That is always the case. Eventually, it'll run out. Good times will come to an end. Misery will set in. Dream becomes a nightmare. Eventually, you're going to have to deal with the real issues of life. And this guy took everything that he had, all the blessings that his father had worked so hard for, and he wasted it all with prodigal living. And and at the end of it, it says everything's gone. There's nothing left. And then he begins to be in want. That's very descriptive. He begins to be in want. In addition, a severe famine comes. He is starving. It's interesting how the world promises to satisfy and fulfill and enough sex, enough money, enough drugs, enough whatever. And that's really going to satisfy you. But people are still in want. And there's a severe famine of the soul that can't be satisfied by any of those things. Just like this boy, he's got nothing. He is just empty, totally depleted. And then what what happens next is even worse because it says here, verse 15, then, it's just a progression, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the field to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. How bad did it get? It got really bad. For a Jewish boy, for a Jewish young man to be in a far country, spent all and the only job that he can get is feeding pigs and he's so hungry that he looks at the food that the pigs are eating and he starts to eat it you know what happens when you wander away from your father's house you know what happens when you start getting away from the lord diverting from the path and living in rebellion against him and and going in the wrong direction you know what happens you spend all you're in want and you end up doing things that you said you would never do I'll never do that, you know? I mean, I know people that that have gone down that road and done that. I'm I'm not like that. I would never use that. I would never drink that. I would never smoke that. I would never sleep there. I would never end up on the street. And all these things that you said you would never do, if you go far enough down the road, you'll end up doing it because you'll have to. And that's what happened to this young boy, this young man. What a miserable place to be. But look what happens next. What happens next is as he is sitting in this place, feeding on what the pigs are eating, because no one gives him anything. He's totally alone. Verse 17 is powerful. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I, look at that, perish with hunger. I will arise I will go to my father and will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. What happens to this young man? He comes to a moment of sanity. Suddenly, as he's sitting there in the pig pen, eating with the pigs, the thought occurs to him. What have I become? What am I doing here? I don't belong in this bar. I don't belong with these people. I don't belong on this street corner buying from this guy or meeting up with that girl or what am I doing here and how did I get here? And he starts thinking about his life. He comes to himself. There's a moment of sanity where the spirit of God just begins to to speak into his life as it were that picture of, of, of God just getting his attention. He's finally come to the end of himself and now he's starting to look up. He's hit as far down as you can go. And some people sadly they have to keep going farther and farther and farther. and they, 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 Some people just have to learn the hard way. They just keep hitting the wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall, unconscious, hospitalized. Maybe this isn't the way I should go. You think? How far down do you have to go? How deep into the pig pen do you have to get before you go, this is not where I belong? And you know what he starts doing? He starts remembering his father's house. And he thinks back, you know, even the servants that worked for my dad, they ate better than I do. And he finally realizes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go home. I'm going to repent. I'm going to get right. And you can tell that it's genuine because this young man sitting there in that pig pen, he owns up to It's his fault. He knows it. He can't blame his dad. He can't say, you know, dad, you know, I would have never ended up in the pig pen if you would have just held off with the inheritance. Why did you give me what I asked you for? You should have been better, you know, caring for me and and not giving it to me. He's not blaming anybody except himself. I've sinned. Notice that I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God and I'm not worthy to be called your son. Would you please let me be a servant, a hired hand? in your home that's repentance and so he rehearses this whole speech that he's going to say to his dad you ever been busted and come up with like okay how am i going to lay this out point a this is why i did it point b and you just start rehearsing that the repentance speech he starts doing that because he knows he's not worthy of anything he's asking for but look what happens next Verse 20, and he arose. He gets up. He doesn't stay in the pig pen, friend. He arises and he comes to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father, notice this, saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. It says his father saw him when he was a great way off. What does that seem to imply? To me, it's a picture of the father looking for him, looking down that road. I wonder how long the son had been gone. I don't know, but I do know this. The father saw him a far way off. He was looking. I wonder if the father just daily went out to that road and prayed. "Is today the day my son's going to come back. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. Some of you parents, that's your prayer right now. For your son, for your daughter, for your wife, for your husband. I wonder if today's the day they're going to repent. I wonder if today's the day they're going to stop living prodigally, wake up in the pig pen and realize what they had and return. The father saw him a far way off, but then what's, what it says next is even more descriptive. It says, when he saw him, he ran to him. It was very undignified in that culture for men of that age and that stature to run for anything. You don't do that. That's uncommon, but he runs to his son. And I've often thought to myself, I wonder if the son in seeing his father run was a little concerned. Is that my dad? Why is my dad running? Why is he running this way? Is he, he's mad? I don't, I don't know what he thought. But it says when his father got near him, that he grabbed hold of him, hugged him, kissed him. Doesn't say he broke his neck. It says he fell on his neck, (laughs) hugged him. Another commentator suggests that the reason why his father ran so quickly to get to his son was because if all the rest of the community saw this boy coming back, knowing that he had wasted everything he had with harlots, could have judged him right on the spot. And so he wanted to be the first one to him, to cover him. And so he gets hold of him. He gets hold of his son. And and the son, notice this, he starts the whole repentance speech. Look at this. He doesn't get to finish it. It says here, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, didn't even let him finish he said, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found and they began to be merry. When it says that the father interrupts the son's repentant speech and he does something the son did not expect, he took a robe and put it on him. That robe was a picture, a clothing of honor. He came home in rags. The Bible says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And the Father comes and he clothes us with a righteousness of his Son. Makes us accepted in his sight. A place of honor that we do not deserve. We took all the things that God gave us. Some waste their health. Some waste their marriage. Some waste their family. And they just use it all for nothing. And they come back empty. And the Father restores them and clothes them in his righteousness when there is genuine repentance. And not only did he put a robe on him, but it says he also put a ring. It's a symbol of authority. And he put sandals on his feet because slaves, they wore no shoes. His son came home a slave. And his father said, no, no, no. my son's not a slave. My son is free. Put shoes on his feet. And then he took the fatted calf. And and it's emphasized the fatted calf more than once. That's the big one, man. The fatted calf is for, I mean, this is for really important parties quinceaneras and things like that. You hold a fatty calf for the real import bar mitzvahs. I mean, the fatty calf, bring it out. And let's rejoice because my son was dead and now he's alive. My son was lost and now he's found. The interesting thing is, as everybody's rejoicing, there's somebody else in that story that wasn't rejoicing. In verse 25, the older son was in the field and he came and he drew near the house. He heard music, he heard dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, What these things meant. And he said, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatty calf. But he was angry, and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and pleaded with him, and so he answered and said to his father, These many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatty calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. But it was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. The elder brother in the story, perhaps a picture of the Pharisees. This man, they said, receives sinners and eats with them. He makes merry with them. The elder brother, seeing the younger brother repenting and coming back, did not rejoice, was critical, would not participate. Much like the Pharisees would not participate, would not engage, would not rejoice over the lost sinners that were saved. There's so many applications that you can make from this particular story. Maybe you We're like the prodigal son, prodigal daughter wandered away. That is your testimony for others of you. Maybe you're the father waiting for that prodigal son, prodigal daughter to return. Or perhaps you're like the elder brother. You see sinners getting saved. You say, God, I can't believe you'd save him. And you're critical because you've forgotten what you've been saved from. Oh, there's many applications from this particular story and whatever place that you find yourself in I encourage you to respond as the spirit of God speaks to your heart maybe, maybe you need to return maybe you're the prodigal son maybe you've been running from God maybe you've been wasting what God's given you and you're in a faraway country or you're doing things secretively and you think nobody knows about it listen, God knows about it God's well aware of it and he's waiting for you to return he wants to restore you he wants to forgive you maybe you're ashamed But I pray today that the Spirit of God is so moved that you would come to your senses, you would realize the pig pen that you're in, and you would come back. Everything, everything that this young man wanted, he always had. He went out to try to find it, and he came back empty. Everything he wanted was right there in his father's house. You don't need to go anywhere else. The Lord has it all. All things that pertain to life and godliness, they are found in him.
0: You've been listening to A Daily Walk with our pastor and teacher, John Randall. We're going through the Gospel of Luke right now. To get the CD that contains today's message for a cost of $5, go online to adailywalk.org or call us at 877-242-0828. The toll-free number once again, 877-242-0828. We also house our recent programs at a adailywalk.org, and you'll find them on our mobile app as well. Do a search for Calvary South OC and download it for free today.
1: Hi, this is Michelle Randall with some exciting news about my new 366-day devotional, A Daily Walk for Women. You know, it's my prayer that these words from my personal devotional life will encourage you in this season that you're in and throughout the year. It's my hope that this... Devotional will really prime the pump and get you moving in the right direction each morning and be sort of like a pep talk from your personal cheerleader. I pray that you enjoy this labor of love as you look to Jesus each day.
0: Request a daily walk for women for the special price of $15 when you call 877 242-0828 or go online to adailywalk.org. Please remember it's your generosity that helps us remain a biblical voice on stations like this one all across the nation. With your help, we're delivering God's good news at a critical time in human history. No gift is too small to be used by God in great ways. Again, our number is 877-242-0828. Or you can donate online at a You know, we're reminded on a continual basis that the Lord is doing great things through the radio and the internet today. And maybe He's doing something amazing in your life. We want to hear about that. Pastor John would be very encouraged by what you have to say. Write to us today by email at a daily at gmail.com. That's a daily walk at gmail.com. Here's what's ahead of us next time on A Daily Walk.
1: The Bible says this, to whom much is given, much will be required. If God has entrusted you with something, you are responsible for what he has entrusted you with. And you will at one point in your life give an account for all that he's entrusted to you. And we won't be able to blame somebody else. Well, it's their fault. I didn't. No, I've been entrusted with it. It's my responsibility. We are accountable.
0: Be encouraged to lay up your treasures in heaven as you join us tomorrow for A Daily Walk with John Randall. A Daily Walk is a presentation of Calvary South OC.